0: ASAP. Only slightly more likely to show up than a Dota 2 team at ESL 1 Mumbai. This is the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's Seven, and we're coming at you live from the pension line at the Overwatch League office. (sighs) dude brutal brutal start uh, you know i'm going to run out of times to make fun of the overwatch league we got to start the countdown oh uh, well that's true i
1: mean it 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 has stayed around longer than artifact that's not really saying
0: a whole lot yeah that's sad On this episode, Overwatch League sees more retirements. The Fortnite Gold Rush continues. Stretchgate is apparently a thing. Dota 2 is struggling to fill team slots, but not as much as Artifact is struggling to find viewers. Another traditional sports giant gets into esports, and Toxicity apparently is not just limited to online matches in CSGO. But first, the map recently added to the competitive map pool in Counter-Strike is getting a remodel. So this happened a few weeks ago that it was announced that Vertigo is moving into the competitive play map pool. And now we've got what it seems to be some much-needed changes to the map.
1: Yeah, a couple of changes were largely around uh, line on sight, but also allowing people to access areas they shouldn't be able to access. Um, Maybe even that. Well, I mean, some of them are dangerous in terms of like uh, boosting and being able to circumvent a large portion of the map just to jump, uh, at least T side, just to jump straight through uh, to plant uh, before the other team could even have a chance to get over there. And that can happen right away from spawn. So uh, those changes needed to be needed to happen. Uh, The biggest question here, I think is, 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 you know, they added it in with sh- uh, pretty short notice. Uh, it's not, I mean, to have to come out two weeks later, three weeks later, make some some sweeping changes because in competitive, it's just not performing correctly. I mean, I feel like there should be something more to, to vet these maps. Like, there's no
0: case. real r- need to rush for this. So, why wouldn't they just go through and vet it better, make the changes, and then put it into the map pool or have some sort of concept where they can, like beta test it or put it in temporarily or, you know, some other method to find these things out before actually putting it straight into the competitive map pool. Because some of yeah. these were things like, oh, oops, I can drop a gun in a place where now I can't pick it back up. And just weird bugs like that, line of sight issues, like you said, the boosting stuff. It just seems like at this stage of the game's life cycle, they should have a better way of rolling these things out.
1: Uh, you did mention rush and valve in the same sentence, so I don't know if that's so, actually the, the case. More so than they just wanted to drop it. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to drop it probably before the you know another major or whatever it may be, I, I think largely it's just an opportunity and a time frame for them to make some changes. Uh, it just it feels like I I wish there was a way for maybe pros to essentially vote on what the next map would be, what rotates out in that pool, um, and then but not necessarily getting input into that. I mean, some of these things were found out. They were known before Vertigo was thrown in there, right? So it's not like, oh, we just recently discovered them. Like
0: no one's ever played Vertigo before, and now all of a sudden we find these issues. Right,
1: right. So I think those are things that uh – Need to be uh, addressed before this next round of, of changes for Maple, which could be a while.
0: Yep, definitely. Uh, despite not having a full roster for their primary CSGO team, Gambit has doubled down on the game with the announcement of a new team titled Gambit Youngsters. So this is a basically a minor league team that right. they are putting into the CIS region. Uh, what exactly is the angle here, especially given that their core team still is not fully rostered up? So it's hard to tell whether or not this is just
1: a play to actually build up the cis region or if it's a way to kind of hoard free agents so of this i we actually had four players that were free agents uh nafani shiro enters in uh, poor poria uh i always pronounce that name backwards i want to say poira but it's not it uh anyways but shiro uh sorry supra was actually um his contract was bought out from vega squadron so but other than that the rest of them were free agents in the region i think it's a good thing it's it's hard to see it not as a Uh, buying up talent uh, or just a a talent farm, which is essentially a minor league team anyways, um, because they don't have a CSGO team already in in place. Uh, So it's kind of a way for them to lock out other people from getting that talent and, and growing them. Um, but it's also good because again, they're helping grow the CIS region. And from a, uh, competitive standpoint, at least giving these people who were free agents, a team to compete with. I just don't know what's going to happen with their main team losing the people that they've lost already. So,
0: yeah, I mean, they got rid of some of their best performers from the team. So I agree. Generally speaking, you know, we've talked many, many times on this show about how we feel about the minor league farm system in any eSport and overall view it as a positive. So this is definitely a positive, but I think you, could make the argument that they should be directing their resources towards filling that roster of, you know, in the main league, so to speak, as opposed to spending all their time uh, on the free agent side, hoarding people up on a minor league team.
1: Yeah. I think it, I think that it kind of comes off as a play is like we want to block out some people for maybe picking these players up. Um, But again, at the same point in time when you buy out someone's contract to fill out the team, uh, you, it, it stands to weigh something different, right? So it's, it's hard to
0: tell. Yep. And then at Star Series Season 7, Navi dominated finally against Fnatic, winning 3-0 to take home $100,000. This is an impressive win, much needed from Navi. Uh, they had a third place finish back at Katowice. Uh, but that's not the only story here. There was something else going on off stage.
1: Yeah, they're actually taking a page from Astralis and bringing in someone to assist with mental health, uh, as well as diet and well-being. So it's kind of that missing piece that uh, Astralis needed to get over that hump right around. I think like the end of like uh, was E League season two is right around when that started to kind of kick yeah, in. Like, oh, there's some
0: there's some cracks in the in the behemoth that is Astralis, and then they turned it around.
1: Well, I mean. It- this is an interesting space for Navi to be in because now they're starting to kind of hit on all cylinders. and But in the past, they've been rocky. They've had public fights and they've had falling outs, and that's caused issues. Um, but Simple was interviewed, I think it was by HLTV, and he had mentioned that like they, they now feel like they're kind of hitting 100% and they wanted to see where they would go, right? Uh, when they were at Katowice— he said they didn't even prep really for Say So the fact that they were able to make it uh, you know, place third place uh, in a major without really having to, I guess you could say, prep for it. Now, granted, uh, there was a lot of roster issues going on around that major. Uh, I think that uh, just kind of proved to them like, hey, we've got a really good fighting chance at this. And so now after winning um, uh, Star Series, uh, they've, they're implementing some more things in terms of prep. Uh, and taking care of themselves and working together as a team i mean they're already i guess you could say like they are the number two team uh often they kind of go back and forth with astralis uh, liquid i could probably take a page from that book as well i guess you could say in terms of uh, yeah except liquid bounces all the way from last place to like second place yeah well that happens but I, i i mean if if this pays off which it it should especially as we talk about overwatch later in the show like i think that like i mean navi's gonna be they're, they're brutal. I mean, they got some amazing players. It, there's no reason why they can't uh, go toe-to-toe with Astralis. It's amazing what a little bit of yoga and Gwyneth Paltrow's goop crystals will do for you. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Or oh. ball wipes.
0: Oh, ah, oh. Ah, I saw it. it only took you a good seven <laughs> minutes to work that in. Uh, that was not the only crazy thing happening offstage, so to speak, uh, in the CSGO world. So Renegades coach Kassad has called attention to toxicity at live events after his team was met with racist chants and heckling at Star Series 7. Uh, so obviously racism, toxicity have no place in esports or their events. Uh, But this audience seemed to single out Renegades specifically. What do you think caused them to target them so heavily during and after the event?
1: So there's two things that could come into play here. The main one uh, was largely around gratisfaction basically giving uh, the finger to the audience. um, Because at one point in time, even though the groups were quote-unquote in soundproof booths, uh, somehow gratisfaction knew that uh, a member in the audience was basically giving away his position. So what happened is, is he was in a standoff with Forrest on Mirage and it was literally like one of them had to make the move. The first person to make the move uh, just basically lost. Right. Um, And he needed to know where he was. So Forrest was holding down a position uh, and long story short, a, a, someone in the audience started yelling out sandwich, which is the position in which Gratisfaction was hanging out in. So it forced him to make the move because it, his, his position had been given away. So he turns the corner, gets shot by Forrest because he didn't know where forest was. Cause nobody gave him forest position and then therefore loses around and gives the bird to the audience. So then they get pissed off. Right? So even the, the, uh, which is named, uh, the coach for, um, uh, Kassad, uh, Kassad. There you go. He uh, just said it like two seconds ago. Um, was right. even Going, was even saying you like you could you could watch yeah right you could watch him in the booth uh, start basically confronting an admin saying like this is ridiculous right but they're in quote unquote soundproof booths it couldn't have been the case right ne- neither coach. Uh, nor player
0: should have even heard that if that was the case. Right. Now – And clearly they knew something was up, so they had to have heard something for them to even right. make a comment
1: about and, it. And a lot of times what happens is, is these things uh, actually come through comms that the players are wearing. But if they're in soundproof booths, shouldn't be the case, right? So somewhere along the lines, uh, there was an open mic or they were able to just flat out hear it. Maybe they weren't soundproof booths. They were just booths. So he was pissed about that. The other thing that kind of leads into uh, – uh, the Chinese audience hating Renegades is the fact that last year, well, outside the fact they always tend to root against Australia, no matter what, um, is that Renegades, uh, played against Tai Lu and on multiple occasions called like timeouts and were like disrupting the game. And so they also kind of were already going into this, not well liked. And so that didn't help either. So there's Wait, a lot of be
0: clear. None of this justifies what was being said by the crowd.
1: No, but as many people say, like, you know, Someone yelling "sandwich" in the crowd doesn't justify giving everybody in the the arena the bird, right? Like it, at some point in time, like, yeah, I mean, you you turn around, and you complain to an no admin, one can right? Can see me
0: doing this with my hands? But, yeah.
1: yeah, I don't know why I even.
0: Paused. Unless they're not in soundproof. Brian was just Brian me. just gave me the bird. I don't know why. Apparently <laughs> now on? you are free to call me racist things because I flipped well, you off after the show, or the yeah. dogs are because they're part of the innocent audience that somebody flipped them <laughs> off. Uh, Moving on to Fortnite. So we already knew that Epic was going to put a ton of money into eSports, and we're getting an idea of just how much. They're going big for the Fortnite World Cup. Starting later this month, they will feature a series of $1 million Weekly Cups and online qualifiers leading up to the Grand Finals. that is taking place July 26th through the 28th at the U.S. Tennis Association's Billie Jean King National Tennis Center's Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City. <laughs> That's what happens when you double-sell sponsorships, my friends. Uh, $1 million in weekly tournaments, a $30 million prize pool for the finals. Epic just printing money and clearly pouring it all to eSports. How absurd is this?
1: It's about as absurd as... Uh... That prize pool, like of being thirty million, just as long as the name of the stadium and place that they're yeah, they're doing
0: it in. Like it's just it. You can count thirty just, million dollars in ones faster than you can say the name of the venue. That's actually true. Uh, uh
1: It is. Uh, I guess when we looked at this a year ago, they said, oh, we're, we're going to dump $100 million in eSports. We're like, that's a crazy plan, right? I feel like they're just kind of
0: doing it willy-nilly. Like, hey, it's Thursday. Let's give away a million dollars. It's what a it's lot of like We're getting near like. the one-year anniversary of that statement. We've got $45 million to spend. Right. What do we
1: do? It, 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 it's what it feels like, especially because they announced tournaments so short in advance. Uh, I think it was like last week they announced, like, hey, we're going to run some random stuff, and also we're changing a bunch of rules. And people are like, what is going on? You've yep. got so much money. Come up with a plan. I think this year was supposed to be experimental, but you're going into – It's a lot of money for an experimental version <laughs> Right, going to what, say. What's the real thing going to look like? And what exact is up there like, okay, uh, so you're in control of $100 million. I don't want to know what you do with it. Just let me know if at the end of the year you spent it. Yeah, just tell <laughs> like, me something, something esports, and I will feel fine about it. The board will be okay. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get uh I mean just blatantly that like I mean, burning money. Yeah, I mean you look at T I like T I has a huge prize pool, right? But that is usually sourced from the from uh, the community
0: yeah it's like a match for match so a lot of that is coming from revenue it's a portion of revenue right right it's actually making you money and driving attention this is literally just like making it rain here we go like and i oh, can't yeah. believe that this is worth 100 million dollars in marketing to me like yeah. i don't feel like it draws that much attention to the game that wasn't already paying attention to the game right to be worth that much money you might as well just buy a bunch of super bowl ads it it's pretty ridiculous it
1: feels really absurd in a lot of ways, that you know, here are a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, leagues and games and teams that are failing, working really, really hard. And it's like, eh, you know, 100 million. It, it, but without that kind of uh, structure around it, it's it, what we're going to see is uh, Team Liquid will have signed half of the people uh, that are actually going into the last game and a chance to win 30 million. It, it just, I don't know. It, it, Watch who's in this. Who's in? Who actually competes for this? And how many of them are are just picked up recently by by some kind of team? Of course, why not? Right, because it's just a scatter effect. You could you could literally pay for everybody who's in the world in that World Cup and just basically be like, okay, you all get like eighty thousand dollars just for showing up, and you still walk away a millionaire as a team owner. Like, why not?
0: I know it's It's so absurd. It is absolute absurd and i don't know i feel like this is going to be at the top of the list when we do the inevitable esports post-mortem five years from now when the hype has died down and it's just a niche thing we're going to be like well and here's where things completely went off the rails <laughs> it's the tech bubble of esports yes yes yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, we'll then. just spend a hundred million dollars it'll be fine uh, something else from Fortnite. Now, I'm going to admit to not knowing that this was a thing, but Stretch Gate is upon us. Just days before Epic Games opened the qualifiers and its month-long World Cup event, the developers made changes to players' field of view for stretch resolutions and locks in resolutions for competitive game modes. This has a lot of competitive players pissed, especially since it was a communicated part of release here earlier. Point about them just willy nilly making changes right. heading into events and is happening closest close to the biggest tournament of the year. What is your take on the First off, explain this because I didn't even know this was going on because you don't necessarily see this as a viewer when you're watching this, the stream on Twitch for example.
1: Right, right. So essentially what happens is when you go and do the 4x3 stretched, you're basically making it uh, well, you're stretching across your mind which makes characters uh, larger and fatter basically. So it's easier to spot them. Because this is happening to- on a
0: 16 by 9 aspect right, ratio. Right, right.
1: So you're basically filling your screen but you're just it's just like pulling it apart and so it makes everybody kind of fatter and easier to aim towards Man, so this is this. something that has been going on in csgo competitively for the longest time like this is nothing new uh, a lot of times if you watch uh streamers play csgo it looks atrocious especially like pros because they're playing on four by three and you're like oh, why does this game look so awful but it gives you a couple competitive advantages again one uh, they, it tends to run faster from an FPS standpoint. You can actually pull point out uh, players uh, much easier. Uh, and on top of that, uh, there was some field of view, essentially, uh, benefits by going that route is what yeah. I heard. I think from like a vertical field of view, uh, you could actually see more. So it allowed you to um, – uh, essentially pull, you know get an advantage of like seeing more of the world around you. Now, what has come out is that they've uh, – the latest patch, which was – that's why I was kind of scrambling for the show. I think it was just dropped this morning. Uh, 8.3 came out, which is actually where they, they decided to lock it. But what they decided to do is they uh, wanted to uh, have all aspect ratios will actually have the same vertical field of view now. So really what they're trying to do um, is limit PC – So really what they're trying to do is limit the advantages that PC players have over uh, console players since they do a lot of cross-play. And so they're also limiting... like ultra wide monitors will be now limited to 16.9 just in competitive right not actual just just playing non-competitive I guess you could say is the the other version of competitive um
0: <laughs> that would be the opposite of competitive right yes. right, right thank you for the English
1: lesson yeah, that's what I that's what I'm here for really um but it's it's forcing everybody to use native and a lot of people hate that and the fact that they've been playing competitively using like 4x3 stretch or whatever it may be and now you're It totally changed. It's like the equivalent of going in and having someone just totally mess with your mouse settings and have to sit down and play it. Which I have a funny story when it comes to Apex Legends uh, packs around like, the messing with mouse settings. i got to tell you this. So I, I jumped into the Omen booth, which uh, had Apex Legends, like a little side tournament thing where if you got a bunch of kills, like you were the most kills that hour, you got a bunch of free swags, like a carnival game? Yeah, yeah. I really, in all honesty, I was just wanting to play some Apex Legends because um, they were the only people that had it running there. So I hop in, I sit down, and they had the DPI on the mouse setting to 3200. Holy crap. You could literally just tap it and it would fly across the screen. And I was. That's like, how I play. Is that how you play? No. That's how nobody should play in their right mind. And so uh, let's just say mind. that I, I
0: landed spicy and then that did not go well. And this is the part where I pretend like I know what landed spicy means. <laughs> so you referenced this earlier in the show, but uh, the retirement list in Overwatch League is getting very, very long. Uh, this one is probably the most disturbing of all of them, but Dallas Fuel Player Effect has retired from Overwatch, citing mental health issues and a lack of changes to the game. The mental health issues is probably being a bit of an understatement. He goes into so, some pretty uh, deep detail as to right. what he's been suffering and how Overwatch originally was kind of a remedy for those mental health issues. So it's not necessarily that he's saying Overwatch League caused these mental health issues, but he was struggling with these before and the game is not providing the same distraction that it used to. But we've had other folks. Also, leave, and a lot of this is due to mental health issues, burnout in the game, and also referencing change, you know, lack of change in the meta and things of that nature. We're seeing this happen across pro, pro players and streamers quite a bit more burnout, mental health issues. In the case of franchise leagues, is there anything that would be done to curb it? Because I feel like we were talking about this at the end of last season. This season was supposed to make changes to make right. things better, and we're actually seeing more retiring happening in the midst of this season than we saw at all last season.
1: Yeah, and so Effect is just the latest in a stream. As you mentioned, so uh, Stellar left uh, the Toronto defiant, defiant for personal reasons. Defran left Atlanta Reign to re- return to a what he says a, is a less stressful life of streaming. Uh, Coco After only
0: a month, by the way.
1: Right, right, right. right. Uh, well, no, sorry, he he left with a a uh, right before they actually got into the playoffs. So he had notified them like a month ahead of time that he was leaving. Uh, so then Coco left uh, as the coach of the Fuel to return home to Sweden because and this is his words, he's never been this stressed in his life. Uh, even the Washington Justice Justice's assistant GM, Kate Mitchell, left to head back to Seattle to take care of her mental health. I mean, like, everybody's
0: just kind of bailing on the league right now. And so this is like what a politician says, that they are going to spend more time with their family. Yeah, and so they, you had mentioned they, they made some – some changes this
1: year around the number of games played and allowing people to kind of jump across leagues and play with different people. We've even seen tanks swapping teams this year to what may have been more of a quality of life thing versus an actual like player trade one, you know, like, uh, I mean, when you swap tank for tank, you're, you're, you're not necessarily gaining someone, I guess you could say, uh, gaining something that you were lacking beforehand. So I, I think, One of the things that it kind of comes into play here is when you look at, uh, and even with this age range, when you look at like high school sports, there in some states at least uh, there are restrictions around how many hours you can spend um, basically practicing or training whatever outside of class during during times of years, and that's largely around so that people don't like well it's largely around don't not uh, interfering with academics, but it also stops. Turns out being burnt out uh, hurts your academics. Right. That as well. And so I think there needs to be like a time off period where they're not supposed to be involved with Overwatch. I don't know how much that goes into play because a lot of these, they end up going and streaming Overwatch and playing it anyways. So it's – it's hard to tell like where this is. Maybe you limit the number of games that they can play a year or whatever it may be. Like, there need Because you're a franchise league, you control players. Like there needs to be a
0: player association.
1: Well, I don't even know if it's the player association 100%, 100% stops this because even so, they have to get – uh, Activision Blizzard to agree to it,
0: right? And so to e- even this is get where, that like, collective bargaining comes in, right? Like this is how the player associations show up in various sports right. is to negotiate with the league. It's a bit of an adversarial relationship on purpose, and they do things like, yes, you we will give this up, but you have to give us more time off, or the winter break needs to be longer, or we need compensated more, or we want to limit on practice time, or things. This is where that really shows up. It's yes, it's about contracts, and yes, it's about being paid a lot of money, or in the money that you believe that you deserve but it's really the quality of life stuff where they spend a lot of time negotiating and i feel like overwatch league could benefit more from that so even more so than the salary side of things
1: well i mean i think even at the tail end of last year shanghai dragons were talking about pulling like 14 hour days just playing and scrimming Yeah, like
0: it should just not be allowed like the players should have in their contracts with the league that the teams are not allowed to work them that hard
1: yeah and it's I, there's other things that do come into play. Like, again, you're in a team house, you're in that environment, you're never able to get away from it a lot of times. But the scary part here is that uh, they've made changes to lessen the mental health issues. They've now they they're probably getting hit by it worse, especially by people who've been in the year in the league for over a year, are now right. even more so burnout. But in 2020, they plan on doing more road
0: games, which means they're going to introduce travel into this. And
1: they haven't had to introduce that Why do they even think
0: that is a good idea? And we're talking about some pretty massive travel, too, right? This is not just within the U.S. or like happens in sports leagues, roughly geographical to their portion of the country for the majority of their games. There's always like a two-to-one ratio, so to speak, for like East Coast versus West Coast, depending on the side of the country you're on. But this is going to be like, hey, I'm going to go from Hanzo China to London. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're wanting to do some big jumps. I
1: think they're going to treat it, uh, my guess is they'll probably treat it more like an actual like tournament where the, all the games happen in one area for a certain amount of time. If I'm correct, that might have been how they were pitching it. Well, that was versus, the original
0: pitch, but right. it seems like they've walked that back some in recent months when they've been talking about regionality and talking about everybody having home games. And, right, yeah. And I get, like, yes, they have an Atlantic and a Pacific division. But that still is some significant travel because we're not talking about from the west coast to the east coast of the U.S. We're talking about the entire globe that they are spanning, and the fact that you have to travel with visas to what is it four teams now in China? Like, yeah. there's a lot going on here that is just going to make this even worse because now, like you said, you're compounding those 14-hour practice days with potentially 14 hours of travel just to get to a particular week's tournament.
1: Yeah, it can. It 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 will only get worse. Uh, in 2020 with all that travel so they need to do something to to adjust it now um, i honestly feel like it it is you you almost need to cap like the number of games that, that can be played by each player um, that'll give more people playing time uh, i mean they're doing it in terms of like how many times you can play um in in the say, I guess you say like with your sister team or your lower league whatever it right. may be um, but they're not they're not necessarily doing it at the top level and that's where some of the burnout is, is happening.
0: Yeah, and we're talking about player burnout, we're talking about coach burnout, we're talking about officials, back you know, back office staff burnout. Right. Like this is a systemic problem with the league. And there really should be more visible done about it. I'm sure they're talking about it behind the scenes. If no other reason, because it is bad press for this to keep coming up. And if you are an owner of a team or you're somebody that's interested in sponsoring the league, like the health of 20-something individuals is not something you want to necessarily have a negative connotation with when you're trying to sponsor. Like, oh, I ate too many Sour Patch kids. Now I got to retire because I can't keep my physical conditioning (laughs) up. It's just, it's... I don't know. I feel like the Overwatch League still doesn't have it figured out, and you combine that with the challenges that the game has had from the meta standpoint, and all you know, the players just finding the game boring, and then being unable to break this goats meta. It, it, Overwatch League is in a very, I'm not say bad, but they're in not a great place right now. Heading into what could be potentially their most important season in season three, when they try to prove this regionality out further and add travel to this whole equation.
1: Yeah, I, one thing I do want to talk about though is we we. We, I guess we start down the, the line of Activision Blizzard has some ownership over this mental health issue within Overwatch League because they are essentially franchise teams. But the people running the team uh, as well should have uh, better insight into this, better awareness around what their players actually need. Uh, and so a lot of this onus is, is also on them because, but really what happens is is without those kind of like blocks, uh, effectively what you have are teams that will go as far as they're allowed to go and push as, la- as far as they're allowed to no push because there's no ground rules on yep. it. Yep. Yeah, and so I think it's both parties are guilty here. Um, I just, but Activision has the easiest, I would say, the easiest route of declaring how, the easiest way to fix it.
0: They control everything, and there's no competition. Nobody else could start up an Overwatch league. So uh, they can't. Yeah, that's true. And they have all these teams, these franchises, and contracts. Those contracts are far more ironclad lucrative and long-term than what the teams have with the players so they have the control here and
1: what activision blizzard needs to do is uh not wait until next season to make these changes yeah yeah i mean you're you're kicking off a new stage i know you can't do it right now i mean technically you could uh but uh, i guess two days would be kind of crazy but Message it now that in the next stage you're going to be doing it yeah. or, or however it may be. Because the more mental health keeps coming up, the more worrisome that's got to be for the league. Yeah. I mean, you can make the make the playoffs be uh, work something different,
0: right? So yeah. let that be known. Exactly. Moving on to Dota 2, like we always do. There's so much right. Dota in yeah.
1: this
0: show notes. Are you okay?
1: Yeah. You know what I it am.
0: is? Is You just spent too much time on VPE Sports this week. It could be. It it's could usually be. indicative when we get a lot of Dota 2 content. Yeah. So Virtus Pro has been announced as the first of three teams invited to the Dota 2 Adrenaline Cyber League event in Moscow next month. Two more invited teams have yet to be announced with the fourth team earning a spot via the Open Qualifier that's currently underway. We've discussed these micro tournaments before, small four-team events, or even grudge matches against specific teams. E-League did this, actually with uh, champions from season one and season two. Do you think we will see this trend continue? I think so. I I, I think that,
1: uh, you know, as, depending on the teams that you get, right, and the context surrounding it. So when E-League did it, they did it with Pro versus Stralis, season one versus season two winners, right? Um, And so, like, those, uh, just having that kind of grudge match, uh, play out again and there's just money on the line. It's it's the same amount of production value. Actually, it's less because you're not trying to house a bunch of teams, fly a bunch of teams, pay a bunch of uh, teams, uh, stipends for just showing Food up, hotel. all this different yeah. stuff. Um, and you're still running a tournament. And really what you want to do is get a bunch of viewers in there, peak, and go, go forward. And if you have sponsors, uh, obviously, I mean, you're, they're looking at those, those peak numbers and concurrence generally. Uh, And so drawing it out over a month long, like Epic games plans to do, isn't always like the smartest thing to do. If you don't have the sponsors who are willing to pay for it. Right. So I I think these short events are good because we've seen these multiple week events and these seasons sometimes play out and they don't do well. And what happens is you, you end up having like 12,000 people watching it every single weekend. And then you peak at like 200,000 people watching the finals. Like, and that's where you're putting a large portion of your money in. It also um,
0: potentially solves a television problem, right? Like not having these giant tournaments that you can't figure out yeah. how to fit onto television. If it's just like a two day, four team tournament with like four hours here and four hours there, far much easier to find a reasonable slot on television for. Or if it's just a
1: one-off grudge match or it's a, a you know, a four team match. Again, you can just fill up like a, a block of time, a couple hours time depending on the game uh, and just go for it. And I think that's, I think we'll see more of that. I think uh, even though we, we did start off the show talking at one point in time about this $30 million month-long tournament, that is Epic Games. Um, but even so, we're seeing a lot of, like the Code Red tournaments going on where it's just this one-off. This, here's an actual tournament with a bunch of people go. Yep. Uh, and it's just a different type of uh, – like the I think it's like the Twitch rival stuff is doing well. And it's just a, a simple one-off tournament um that is either like an open tournament or something smaller i think these bite-sized tournaments there's a market for it
0: obviously because twitch rivals is doing really well keeping it to dota 2 so valve holds the keys now to two team slots at the epicenter major making changes to the number of qualifiers from each region so this has stirred up quite a bit as the previous majors had a set number of qualifiers per region what is going on here and who is likely to benefit
1: so it's actually three uh, three spots that they hold because they stripped a, a spot from Europe, CIS, and China. So all those regions now get two. Previously, it was uh, they had those regions had three. Southeast Asia had two. North America had two. South America had two. And then there was always the minor winner, which would also jump in. And so now with uh, epicenter um, being the I think the last tournament in the series, uh, they've changed things up a little bit because of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the the verbiage. Uh there were it was it was too murky as to who should be qualified for those spots. Sounds like a really uh, vague term. Yeah, and they evidently defaulted to Valve and so Valve gets to change things up. So there's a couple routes of Valve could go here. A lot of people are thinking it's going to get thrown over the wall to NA, so they'll automatically get one because they've had a reduced amount so far, which would give an NA team a chance at more uh, DPC points uh, and maybe even like push them higher up in, in the standings. But really, it, it will likely be, I think, uh, they'll default to current DPC points, give those invites that way, and then the other one might be um, someone from, from the minor as well. So those are my guesses. It's it's weird to get like this close to a tournament and then be like, oh yeah, by the way, we know we already declared how many spots we're going to each region, but now we're changing it and Valve gets to pick. It's just really weird that like Valve is stepping in at that point. We just don't like the decisions that you've made, so we've decided to uh, take away your decision-making power. I, I don't know if it's that or they defaulted them being like, hey, some of these teams... It's It's weird. It just kind of plays out weird being that they've already announced it and uh, maybe some of these teams were on lock or thought they were going, and now they don't have a spot.
0: Maybe maybe less weird by Valve standards, though. To be fair,
1: I think Valve being this involved in an eSport and actually like who gets to play and <laughs> or it's or not just a tournament that they're being running involved in their esports. And the, is also well, they've been Dota two. They've been all over this year. Uh, they so all over so much. They forgot about Auto Chess, but hey, yeah. um, they missed that boat. So now they got to focus on Dota uh, competitively. So yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know how this one turns out. Nobody's going to be happy. It's like, nobody's
0: nope. going to be happy on how it turns out. Nope. It's going to be all Valve's fault. Uh, so we joked about this at the beginning of the show, but ESL One Mumbai's Dota Two tournament takes a huge hit after five teams drop out. So this is this has been billed as the premier tournament in India, uh, but will now only feature eight teams instead of the originally planned twelve. What the hell happened here? So ESL One Mumbai
1: actually ends just a day before. Uh, The OGA Dota Pit minor. So that caused, I think it was uh, Alliance, Ninjas in Pajamas, and Gambit uh, all to give up their spot. They forfeited their spots so that they could actually attend the minor and and go for more points. Uh, Chaos Esports was another one that dropped. They chose to drop so they could focus on the Paris Disneyland major. Uh, And then...
0: still blows my mind. That's a thing. Right, right,
1: right. Uh, And then I think it was... Uh, J-Storm actually just decided not to go to India altogether, wanted to stay in North America uh, and compete in the WSOE event that's going on. Uh, so I think that's probably actually going on in LA and all our states. So it, it's just, again, um, it, uh, I, we're talking about those, those these tournaments, which trying to bring in a ton of people, and especially in an environment like CSGO or, or Dota 2, where there's a lot of people trying to grab the same groups. Right. Somebody's going to have to lose, and in this case... ESL loss, which you don't normally hear ESL being the loser in a lot of these tournaments, um, but I guess people go where the points and the money are.
0: Yep. At least it wasn't cheating that caused the problem this time. For this. It's also true. <laughs> it could
1: have been that, I guess.
0: Uh, this is my favorite line in the show notes, because it literally just says, Artifact. It should just be followed with a sad emoji. Uh, can we just kill it? Like, why Why is it
1: still a thing? So, so I, was, I actually pulled some numbers on it. I was... It, being the Did, Hearthstone, were you able to count them on your fingers. Yeah, almost, almost. So uh, there was this like screenshot that showed like how many people playing Hearthstone, and then the uh, on stream and Twitch or watching viewers in Twitch uh, for Hearthstone versus viewers in Twitch for Artifact. It was like two hundred eighty thousand to like forty. People, not forty thousand, forty people, and they're like, ooh, how's that, how's that going over there and killing Hearthstone?" So it was just kind of brutal, but also like Hearthstone's a little inflated because of the new stuff coming out, uh, new expansion. But put it and- in perspective, it's doing two viewers better than the original Diablo. Oh wow. Well, so this is the other thing. One of the reasons what what spurred this was that somebody said it actually hit zero at one point in time. And so now they're like, Artifact officially has zero people watching it on Twitch. Now, there is, if you go to Steam charts, I think 281 is their current average player base in the last 30 days. You have to go back uh, to the absolute beginning of March for when they actually broke 500 total concurrent peak players. That is like craziness. So... I did find out some stuff at Pax that they uh they are intending well they, I think they also broke the, broke this information in a um and a blog post, but they are intending to go free to play. They want to fix like their economy and they got to fix a couple of ways and just general structures around it. But they're not planning an- immediately to do anything from the standpoint of like actually uh, updating cards or creating new cards, and new modes and all that stuff. They want to fix core mechanics, the core things that everybody said, hey, this is wrong to begin with. They want to go
0: for that first. But here's if the only they would have listened like six months ago.
1: Right. But here's the thing. They only have like four people left working on it. I, I mean, it's I a good
0: ratio to player count.
1: <laughs> you are. That's those actually, you know what they need to do. They need to have them log on to Twitch and start watching someone stream it or just fire up a dev stream and they all watch it. So there'll actually be someone. Now, I mean, I hate to harp on it, but is it's true that, that it is a it is an absolute failure, even by Valve's eye. They. They came out and said, yes, it's a failure. We want to learn from this. We want to make some changes and see if we can uh, bring it back and, and maybe in, in, <laughs> invite some people. Yes, make an auto just clone for it somehow, I guess. Or, or um, just buy the
0: one that was sitting in your backyard.
1: Uh, they're too late on that one, my friend. That boat has sailed, I think. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, it's not done. Valve knows it's a failure. Valve is keeping four people on it. Maybe it's punishment for those four people. Uh, they were the but- ones who had the
0: idea in the first place
1: no Uh, but they're going to try and fix some core stuff and it will come out free to play more than likely well it has to there's no other way why just not do that now while you're
0: fixing it well i think it's not like you're making money in the meantime
1: because it wasn't originally set up that way so now they have to change the whole idea of like buying and selling of cards and whatever it may be and who knows what's going to happen There, there there's some quality of life improvements they need to actually uh to, to make changes too, um, just to even get, I think, people interested in it again, even if it was free to play or even if it was populated with people to actually play against.
0: Last but not least, FC Barcelona is dipping their toes into esports again, this time by signing a Rocket League team. The Spanish club signed the team formerly known as Savage, who were recently promoted into the RLCS and plan to compete in the European Rocket League. So football and soccer clubs diving into eSports is not anything new. Not even a Rocket League, as PSG also has a club competing at the pro level. But who really stands to benefit from this marriage? The football clubs, RLCS, or do either of them?
1: Oh, man. In this case, I would actually say the RLCS because, well, that is dependent on how Barcelona and and PSG, how they they market it, right? So they benefit from those teams' market because there is – it's – obviously it is very soccer heavy and it appeals to that crowd or could appeal to that crowd. So therefore uh, they should be able to make that transition fairly easy. Right. But it all in Barcelona is like incredibly well known throughout the world, uh, but whether or not they will promote their uh, rocket league team throughout the world or whether or not anybody will see the rocket league team as synonymous to their actual football club that they enjoy watching. I don't know, but it could introduce rocket league to a lot of people. So, Honestly, if uh, even the most minor of effort probably comes from Barcelona uh, or PSG, I would say Rocket League stands to benefit. Otherwise, even if you just
0: lend them the brand and somebody goes in and like – the team makes like Barcelona skins for, for the cars or whatever. And you sell that, like it's, it's kind of free marketing in a lot of ways for Barcelona, right, right. but also revenue and more eyeballs potentially on the game.
1: And, and I would beg to, to say that like, you know, a, a lot of people who are playing rocket league, you don't have to beg. You can just I, that's it. right. 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 I, I would say that a lot of people who, play rocket league or also soccer fans or enjoy watching it it is soccer with cars it is basically soccer with cars
0: so that's going to do it for this week as always you can catch us every week except for weeks where the show butts up against a minor because we've decided to go to the minor instead of show up to the show (laughs) you can check us out on itunes or your favorite podcast app just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe and while you're over there on itunes uh, tell us what you think of the show by leaving us a five-star review it uh, makes our bosses happy That's going to do it. We will see everybody next week for yet another episode of the E-League Report.